0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Omar J. De Jesus, and I am the host of Second Chance Voices of the Unheard. How is everyone doing? This is a podcast that talks about the second chance people receive after doing a long time in a correctional institution. For the most part, people returning back into society are outcasted, and this is a fact. So, my job is to give them an opportunity and a platform to tell their story, but with a twist. Everyone on this podcast will be bragging on themselves about all their accomplishments, which is a good thing. No more looking at someone who did time in a negative aspect. You know, that's why I like what I'm doing. Second chance. So, since I'm the host, and this is my first episode, it's going to all start with me. And then my final one episode will be someone I will be interviewing. So, um, I'm going to talk a little about my family history. I'm the only boy. I have three siblings, three sisters, my dad, my mom. And my mom just passed away about about four weeks ago, um, so I'm still going through some, some things right now, um, and I'm finding uh, different outlets, um, like this podcast, to get through this storm. So, um, growing up in a household, a Latino household, I'm Puerto Rican, by the way, um, was really rough. Um, and the reason why I say it's really rough, because um, I was the only boy, and my sister's which were they they were older than i um oh god they used to like <laughs> like physically abuse me um and verbally abuse abuse me um which left me traumatized um, cuz they said i was bad um i don't agree with what they did but you know uh, i guess that's how siblings are um you know i was my mother's favorite um the only boy so life in the household was really rough for me um, But, you know, I don't hold nothing against no one, but that led me to go outside um, and look for love because I felt like I wasn't loved in my household um, because of the stuff that I experienced and witnessed, you know, um, which pushed me into the streets and which was a bad thing because since I was trying to fill a void of love I didn't know what love was. I didn't feel love for my family. So I tried to find love elsewhere and um, which led me into like joining a gang and doing stuff that I'm not so proud of. Um, So I was like into gangbanging and at 13 I was selling drugs um, and just trying to earn respect and trying to protect the reputation, um, because I looked up to a lot of older people and they would like pimps, drug dealers, robbers, hustlers, um, all the negative aspect of the underworld. Um, I looked up to them because those are the people that showed me love. So I was like sucked into like a poisonous culture, um, that, um, was detrimental to my being Um, And one thing led to another. Um, I know in 1993, I witnessed uh, my cousin's death. He was 17. He had got killed um, in front of me um, by an older guy that was 54 years old. Um, And that was detrimental because he was my role model also. And my only um, father figure. Like my dad, he was in the military, but he was never home because he was always away mom was working and trying her best to raise her children. Um, so, you know, she did the best she could um, with no education. Um, so, you know, um, and that alone was another factor. you know, me just being in the streets and being around people that was like-minded and was just street dwellers, if I may say, um, especially growing up in Brooklyn, uh Ocean Hill Brownsville in East New York. Um two of the worst places to live in Brooklyn. Um, I witnessed a lot of stuff. I witnessed and even experienced. I got, you know, bullied, I got jumped, I got cut, I got stabbed, I got, you know, and, and I got stabbed. Uh got stabbed by my own cousin. Um which was terrible over a basketball game, you know? So like, I experienced a lot of trauma that I didn't realize till later on, which was very, very overwhelming. Um, And I would explain later um, in the show, you know? um, But, you know, I also witnessed my sister um, overdose, but she didn't die. On pills, Um, so a lot of mental health uh, issues ran in my family. Um, So like I was like, oh Lord, I was, I was just going through it as as a young child and didn't know what what to think of it, uh, or even what to do or say. Like I just was confused. Um, But as I got older, um, you know, I had an image I had to protect and growing up in the streets um you're not gonna let no one just try to uh, do something so other people can look at you in a different way or better yet for lack of words a punk you don't want to be looked at as a punk in the streets um uh, because uh the mentality is uh the strong get stronger and the weak get devoured um and that's a cliche that a lot of people use and uh in the hood if I may say um so you had to hold your own and you had to earn your respect and I did that um I'm not proud of it but I did I really did and you know I looked into like my behavior it was not normal um but we made abnormal behavior look normal um and that was the sad part um So, you know, um, I've done some pretty stuff, uh, that got me or could have got me in a lot of time. Um, but, but the good graces of the Lord, uh, you know, I wasn't put in a situation, uh, to where I was prosecuted, um, yet. And, um, so You know, I managed to, you know, um, get past the criminal uh, justice system without really doing no time. The most at at this time I've done was like a day or two in central bookings, um, which wasn't much because at at that time I didn't really care for myself. I didn't even love myself um, because I didn't know how to love. So I didn't expect to love others because I don't know what love is. And I didn't know what love was. Um, sad to say but true. Um so you know, being around certain dudes um didn't help either. Uh, because a lot of the times I've got in trouble wasn't behind stuff that I did. It was stuff other people did and me just expressing my loyalty to them, I've stuck my neck out for them and got into more trouble. Um which wasn't the right idea or the right thing to do. But when you're ignorant and you don't know no better um, and you don't have an education, you think that's the right thing to do. To stick your neck out for people who really don't care for you because they, they're just using you and trying to manipulate and have you do stuff they won't do. Because that's what gang gang members do, you know. Um, so, you know, I remember a situation where, you know, um my dad was about to get robbed, and at this time, I was a little older, but still a lot of... Imma- I was uh, uh, immature still, and um, and I came home, um, and I went up to my mom's place, and my nephew ran in and said, uncle, uncle, you know, um, someone's robbing granddad, and I said, please don't play like this, Angel, because I, honestly, I don't appreciate that, and then... He ran off, but the way he ran off made me feel like he was being serious, and that led me to go and look in the hallway, and I see some guy over my dad yelling. You know, my dad he he did about 20 some years in the military, and he uh, he, he gets he receives a, a you know a, a pension um, from the army, and he also did 15 years in the Veterans affair, and so he was getting good money and he went to cash his check and someone followed him and tried to rob him. And I witnessed that and, you know, I came to his aid and, you know, um, one thing led to another, you know, to where I was, you know, I caused uh, physical harm to this guy and, um, you know, this guy was crying for his help. Um, He was crying for help and yelling, he has a family. And, you know, at that time I didn't care because like I said, I grew up feeling unloved and I, I just wanted to really hurt this guy because he was trying to hurt my dad and I don't get me wrong me and my dad had a rocky relationship because he was never home um, so I really didn't care for my dad but I wasn't going to allow my dad to get hurt by some random guy who tried to rob my dad you know um, and you know I really beat this guy up pretty bad to where he was bleeding. Um, but then I let him go. Because something was telling me to let him go. Um, then he left. But there was another guy on the outside that was trying to get in. And I found out. Because, you know, uh, growing up in um, in a, the inner city, there's no secrets. Everyone knows what's going on. And everyone knows who's who. And I came to find out there was a guy... Um, my dad used to buy cocaine from his nephew who tried to rob my dad. And you know, i looked for this guy and, and I actually caused this guy harm to where he died. And that is what put me in prison. Um, you know, um, me, uh, killing this guy, um, that I honestly regret. Um, yeah so with that being said um, I was on a run for about two months Um, detectives were looking for me and they didn't know where I was at Um, I actually was hiding out in Queens um, trying to Skate away from the law. But I was tired of running. And I just wanted to turn myself in. I was staying at a friend's house in Queens. And, um... You know, I would keep in touch with my parents. And they would tell me, you know, uh... You need to turn yourself in. And I'm like, I don't want to turn myself in because that's not what I want to do. You know, um... But I was naive and stubborn. Um... But also I had a lawyer I had a paid lawyer So um, So the lawyer invoked my rights And uh, sent a letter To the head of homicide um, The judge of the case And to the detective Stating that if you was to come in contact With uh, Their client That they are not to ask me me any questions without him being present um so you know which was like you know this is all a new experience to me you know I mean I've been in trouble with the law, but not to this extent so I was I was scared I'm not gonna lie I was very scared because I I was you know looking at a lot of time um at this time I had a four year old daughter that I dearly loved and Just my thoughts of not being there was detrimental for me. Like, I'm like, wow, my little girl is going to grow up with her dad because I'm looking at a lot of time. Um, So one day I went to my mother's house, um, which was around the corner from where the crime committed, where I committed the crime. And um, I was going to eat a meal and then turn myself in. But somehow, in some way... um, the detectives um, got wind of me being there. I don't know how, but they did, um, which was a good thing, um, because I was tired of running. Honestly, I was. Um, two months, I was losing weight. I couldn't sleep. Uh, you know, I was, just, I was just going through it. And um, they surrounded the building and rushed and they apprehended me and I was going through it. Uh, I was in a I was in the penal, going through the system, as we may say, um, and I was arraigned and indicted on murder in the second degree, um, and looking at 25 years of life uh, with no possibility of parole. Um, My heart fell. I was hurt. My family was crying in the courtrooms. Um, I just knew it was over, um, you know, during my two years of Rikers Island, um, I had so much fights, um, the guy's brother, which wasn't his brother, uh, told people in Rikers Island that I had killed a blood, um, which wasn't true, but, you know, um, This is what he told because he was a blood. Um, So like all the bloods was like trying to get to me. Um, So I had to really, had to really fight. And uh, I had to carry two ice picks because I was afraid for my life Um, because I wasn't going to die in prison Um, because uh, the bloods are well known in prison and they are who controls the prisons. Um, So I wasn't gonna go through that because like I said, I wasn't gonna go home. I don't know how long it was gonna be before I go home, but I was gonna make it home. And I had no thoughts of dying in prison. So um, I seen a lot of cuttings and stabbings and prison gang related stuff. Um, But at this time I wasn't gang related. I had left it alone. Because I've learned a few things in prison. Um, I learned that you don't de- you don't deal drugs, you don't gang bang, um, you don't get in debt, you don't use drugs, and you don't and you don't do in homosexuality acts or homosexual acts, um, and that's like a prison code um, that you don't do. So I I stood to that um, and. I was told, um, that by an older gentleman, uh, that took a liking to me cause he see me as a younger man being respectful and, and the way I move. Um, he said, i you know, I move correct. And he said, by the way I move, I'm gonna be all right when I go upstate. So honestly, um, he introduced me to Jesus Christ. Um, uh, and I didn't, I mean, I've been to church, but I didn't take it serious. Um, so he introduced me to Jesus Christ and told me that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you accept him, um, that he would help you change your life. Um, you know, it was curious because I, I, I didn't know who Jesus Jesus Christ was, but I heard of him. And uh, he actually helped me, initiated the change for me because I started reading the Bible and getting familiar. And... Um, starting to hang around um, like minded people who were um, practicing religion slash spirituality. Um, though I'm not religious, um, spiritual, because uh, I believe in my connection to God is what matters. But I dealt with people like that. I didn't deal with gang mangas and people who indulged in drugs and stuff like that because that's not who I wanted to be. I knew the person my mother raised me to be was a man of respectful, um, caring, honest, loyal man um, who who's independent, but she did instill values, morals, and respect in me, and I'm I'm, I'm forever grateful for that, um, but as time was going on, and I was fighting my court case, um, I was looking at 25 years of life, and it took me about two years with, uh, my private lawyer that, um, me and my family obtained, uh, help law the sentence of 25 to life to 18 years and to 17 years and 15 years and 13 years. And, and it, and it stood at 13 for a while. Um, you know, um, so, like, I was, you know, um, I was I was afraid to go up north because you hear about all type of stories, you know. Um, so, you know, it got to the point where they were trial ready and I didn't want to go to trial because I didn't want to drag this man's name and family through the mud and I know what I did, you know. I was guilty of it. I'm not going to act like I was innocent. Um, so... You know, as, as time went on, I got a little familiar with the Bible and got better with the Bible. I dealt with like-minded people who was striving to do better. Um, so I, I didn't hang out with people that was negative-minded. I was into positivity and people who were doing positive things. So I, I, I eliminated a lot of stuff that I was doing um, in prison by doing the right thing. Um, so I started doing a lot of introspection. Um, and getting rid of old baggage that I didn't like about myself, um, which was hard to do because, um, in order to get rid of, uh, the baggage, you got to identify with it. And sometimes we don't want to identify with stuff that we don't really uh, know or not aware of. Um, so I was sentenced, uh, to 13 years with five years post-release, which was, uh, something I was really grateful. Um so I you know I took programs by Osborne um which was awesome um I was going to school for GED and um though I already had my GED but I just wanted to sharpen up on stuff that I forgot and I was like I took like um um a public speaking course because I feared public speaking because but I but I knew what I wanted to do Uh, I wanted to use my experience and um to help motivate and and speak in public uh in front of the youth because at this point I'm like man you know uh this is a testimony that uh people need to hear and though I'm a storyteller which is awesome um so I went up north and, you know, I went to Clinton, um, though a lot of negative stuff was happening in Clinton, it didn't affect me because I was not the same person, you know? So I got around like-minded people up in up upstate New York, um, and I dealt with people who was dealing with, uh, God and school and the right things. So that's what helped me a lot, uh, during my prison, um, plus everything I was doing as far as introspection, uh, that helped me change because honestly, um, I don't think I would have made it through that time if I would have still been uh, stubborn and ignorant. Um, There was a lot of negative things going on in the prison. Um, You know, a lot of stabbings, um, rape, um, police um, brutality, over-policing the, the correctional guards are killing people um in clinton killed three of my friends um you know and you know this this stuff was very scary like I, I was afraid you know yeah a person that killed someone but shit you don't you don't expect that stuff until you experience it and witness it and you like it's very f- f- afraid i wasn't very afraid and um And I just, I just wanted to do right because I don't, I didn't want to be around that stuff no more, man. Um, So when I went up north and I landed in a few prisons, uh, I just took programs that was going to help me like Osborne, Pace, AVP, um, Network. Um, I even uh, got into this other program called Thrive for Life um, Prison Project. Uh, You know, I earned a, a degree from NYU's uh, prison education program. Um, so, um, you know, I turned to self-education, uh, self-educating myself and even education in general, because I knew that um, the lack of education was linked to mass incarceration. Um, and with education, you can lower the recidivism rate. And I, I didn't want to come back. I don't want to come back. Once I'm released, I don't want to come back because that's not what I want to do. Um, so like I did a lot of good stuff. I, you know, um, during my prison, I got about 12 poems published. I'm a published poet. Um, I got a few writings published. Um, I got my degree. I got numerous certificates uh, for uh, public speaking. Um, I did Osborne program. Um, and they deal with like relationships, um, parenting, family issues and stuff like that. I did PACE, prisoner for AIDS counseling education. I got my HIV certificate and, um, hepatitis certificate. Um, AVP was a alternate to violence program. Um, they helped me learn how to, um, channel, uh, my anger into something positive, um, I also got with Drive for Life Prison Project. Uh, this was a education and spiritual program that helped me um, channel my energy also into something positive. Um, like I said before, I got with NYU's prison education program. They showed me how to write better and um, think critical and, 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 and critically analyze uh, stuff. So they helped me change my way of thinking to look in at a different uh, perspective of life which was awesome um, and you know you know this is stuff that you know um, is priceless like you can always use this stuff um, and I am truly grateful um, so like I was released um, 10 10 19 um, and I joined a program called Thrive for Life, and with the help of NYU Prison Education Program, PEP, um, they help place me at a place um, which offers you a place to stay um, so you can get your stuff together and thrive, and this is where I'm at right now recording this this podcast. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the connections and the networking I've made while I was incarcerated um, because, you know, for me personally, it's not what you do. It's who you know that can help you further um, succeed in life. So I'm still involved with Thrive for Life. Um Prison project, Um, but this is the place I'm staying at. It's called Ignacio House, which I'm truly grateful for because it's a beautiful place. Um, It's ran by um, um, Brother Zach, um, which is all he's an awesome person. Um, So I'm just staying focused. I've been out of prison for a year. some of my accomplishments is I wasn't NYU working towards my bachelor's, but I withdrew um, because my mom just passed and I was just I'm still going through it. Um, it's not easy because I was really attached to my mother and only had one year to be able to enjoy being in her life again, you know, which is really hard. Um, and But I'm sad and. Heartbroken because I can't be around her no more. Um, but I still managed to stay focused, and out of that hurt, I was able to create this podcast. And I'm really grateful for this because it's helping me ease the, the pain that's in my heart. And you know, whether this podcast or not is successful or not, it wouldn't matter. But I just want y'all to know that if If no one told you they love you, just know that I love you um, because we need to hear that reassurance from time to time because sometimes life can make you feel like you're not loved and you're loved. You know, it first starts with you loving yourself because no matter what you go through in life, there are going to be storms, good and bad. Um, but you also got to have balance. You have to take the good with the bad. It can't always be good. Um, and I'm really grateful for the bad storms because I've noticed I did, I've done so much good out the, the bad storms and it might sound crazy, but it's, it's just, it just seems to work that, that way for me. I don't know why or how, and you know, um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just grateful for if you even listen to this, you know, and if if what I've said within these 30 minutes help you out somehow, some way, uh, then I'm doing my job or I've done my job. So I would you know, I would like to say thanks to everyone who is listening to my podcast, you know, um, I want to say thanks to every organization that have helped me change my perspective in life. You know, a quick shout out to Osborne, AVP, Pace Network, NYU's Prison Education Program, PEP, Drive for Life Prison uh, Program, um, slash Ignacio House. And remember, no one wants to do time, but we all need time. Now, I'm going to say this again. No one wants to do time. But we all need time. Good night, peace, and blessings. And I'm ah.